Combi Life Podcasts, stories from the road less travelled. Welcome back to the Combi Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Jamin from Combi Life, and today we are back doing one of our Adventure Experts episodes. If you haven't had the pleasure of tuning in, listening or watching one of our Adventure Experts episodes, you're in for a real treat because we're inviting you to sit down as we discuss van life, overlanding and otherwise full-time nomadism and off-grid living with people that are actually living this lifestyle. And today our guests are Synchro Travels, Janine and Stefan from Germany. You guys might remember Stefan and Janine from Synchro Travels because we created a video episode in our series last year, sharing some of the skills that they taught us as we were preparing for our trip from Europe to Asia. That episode was about 20 minutes long, but we were there for several days with those guys and so much value came out of our time with Synchro Travels that we thought we'd sit down and do a, an Adventure Experts episode to share a little bit more about what it's really like to drive around the world. Let me tell you right now, this conversation is jam-packed with advice, tips and uh, inspiration. I think the reason that Stefan and Janine are close to my heart is the way that they travelled. They basically jumped into their 90s Volkswagen Synchro and started driving east without any kind of plan and with very little preparations with the vehicle. I mean, mechanically, it was looked after and sound, but they did run into a lot of problems on the journey, and they had a huge adventure as a result of that. They remind me a lot about how I was when I did the Aster Alaska project, and I just really enjoyed the way that they weren't sidetracked by all of the kind of complexities of preparing the vehicle, and they just got on with having the adventure. And boy, what an adventure it was. Some of the stories they have to share with us today are just absolutely fantastic. Now, if you're more of a visual kind of person, I would encourage you to check out the video. It's the same conversation. However, we've thrown in a whole bunch of B-roll because Stefan and Janine actually recorded their entire trip from Germany all the way up to Nepal and down to Sri Lanka. So they drove basically from Germany to India. What an epic, epic adventure. And it's definitely something that's on my personal bucket list. Anyway, without further ado, this is the conversation with Synchro Travels with myself, Leah, Janine and Stefan. I hope you enjoy. Guys, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Um, I am so excited for today's conversation. It's been so nice to spend time with you, connect with fellow overlanders. And I can't wait to talk about this conversation because I reckon between the four of us, we have most of the world covered in terms of travel experience. So um, I think this conversation is going to be really fascinating. Last night, it was very difficult not to dive into a lot of these subjects because we just really wanted to talk about our passions and our experiences. Um, today, we are going to get to share that, which is awesome. So guys, I, what have you been doing the last couple of years? Our original plan was to travel around Europe and now then, which we had for a couple of years then and we we always mind that um, when we're going on holidays that we spend so much time at, uh, so much money at home so we'd rather quit everything back at home and get everything out of the way all of the monthly expenses and just focus on traveling purely so you can stretch your experience which you're having money wise um, so we planned originally to do only six months on the road traveling Europe 
but along the way everything changed we picked up a dog along the way and then somehow we ended up in India. We took we the wrong turn. Yeah, after we <laughs> took one or two wrong turns. <laughs> and um, yeah, then we ended up in India and traveling for one and a half years instead of six months. Wow. Yeah. wow. So it's, it's actually not that long, right? No, it's a long time. It's, and a, long it, time. it's a dream trip for anyone, I think, people to be able to take that amount of time away from your responsibilities, like the real world responsibilities, mm -hmm. and actually take some time for yourself to discover the world, discover who you are. Mm -hmm. And um, just, just you know, um, it's a level of freedom that no one else really gets to experience, not many people. And I think it's awesome that you've done it. And yeah, I think it's a long time. And I'd love to know what kind of mindset you were in before the trip okay like what brought about we're i'm going to go travel for a long time it wasn't really a decision to to travel for a set amount of years and then to have like a plan to go back in some job or something so we just focused at being where we are at the time being and not having a plan really so that, that was pretty much our plan along the way and also we didn't like set out the interior we knew that we were like to go somewhere off the off the route of the old hippie trail, so because this is sort of like the one way where you're actually able to go to India. Um, but we sorted out the visas while uh, on the way, so uh, it was a little bit more complicated than if you would do it beforehand. But on the uh, other hand, you are more free to experience some countries along the way and make some detours and set about some countries which we wouldn't probably not have because. For example, we switched around between Georgia, Armenia and Azerbaijan too many times to count because we we're just going back and forth between the country. So that, that wouldn't have been our plan beforehand, but it's just the way it turns out sometimes. In hindsight now, um, would you still adopt a kind of um, figure it out as you go strategy or do you think that there are some areas that you might have benefited from pre-planning? No, I think um, just to uh, figure it out along the way is the way to go. As long as you have um, the flexibility of time, of course, because of course you can get stuck somewhere in between, but as we see at the moment with Corona, you can be stuck even when you have the perfect plan, everything figured out on, on the day and to the minute. Um, so I would definitely ring it again and just take a look where, because you, tr uh, you will be seeing so many other travelers who can give you advices where to go, which countries to see and how to get over some, some paperwork um, problems to deal with along the way. I think that's the better way to do because in beforehand it's um, a little bit harder and I think it's very hard to do it on your own if you want to clear it from the get-go because otherwise you would have to have some company doing some paperwork for you, for example the invitation letters that are required for some countries along the way, like uh, Iran, Pakistan and India. Yeah, we didn't really plan anything. We just started driving east and then we were like, oh, because we, you know, when you're in Europe, you don't really have to get a visa for everything. And of course you have to get a visa like for other countries like Iran. But we never really, because we didn't have the plan on going there before we actually were almost at the border. <laughs> So, um, and then suddenly it was like, oh, we need all these visas. We need to do all these paper, all this paperwork. But we, yeah. but we heard from at least five people who came, just came from Iran how to do it. So 
they will be giving you such great tips along the way so it's very easy if you've got an open mindset and mm. not worry about how you're going to get there because it's always possible to do it along the way. And actually like I because Stefan grew up in Vance and I just got there I actually got to know this kind of stuff through you yeah. and we were always just taking like on all our holidays and our weekends we would just spend as much time as possible in the van and um then at one point Stefan said I want to do a very big trip in a van. I want to drive to Australia. And I was like, well, you, you can't do that. I didn't even know that this exists and that, this, that, that there's a road to Australia. Like I couldn't imagine it. And then I also started to Google it and to get myself into it. And then I, um, there are so many information about it. And, and then I asked Stefan, but what do we do if the van breaks down? And he just looked at me like, then we will fix it. Like what kind of question? <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that this was possible at all. It's yeah. so strange. There's a road from here to Australia. But that was actually one of the things I wanted to ask you was um, if you had any reservations before leaving, like were you any concerned about anything? It sounds like you were a little bit concerned about um, breaking down and that kind of thing. Yeah, we didn't really, no, we didn't have any reservations or nothing. We just kind of drove until we were broke <laughs> when we were... In Nepal, um, we kind of had to make the decision to either go back to Germany and to start working or to try to find a job abroad. And then luckily we found a job in, a job in Sri Lanka. So then after one and a half years of traveling in the van, we were able to stay another one and a half years in Sri Lanka, which was also a very great experience. It's a different experience, isn't it? When you get to spend longer in a, in a culture, you get so much more, so much more rewarding than when you're just driving through. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Obviously, you can't live everywhere, but it's nice to mix it up. And we're trying to do that, certainly, on our travels, um, to spend, you know, periods of time in one place, hopefully not in lockdown again, because Morocco was, we didn't get to see as much of it as we would like to have. But still, it's, um, it's rewarding, isn't it? So you started in Germany and you ended up, where was the last country you went to? Um, in Nepal. Nepal, Nepal. Yeah. So Germany to Nepal. And then you spent a year and a half in Sri Lanka. Yeah, exactly. We actually parked the car in Nepal. And um, yeah, but it's a little bit difficult. To, you cannot just park the car there and just leave it there. But you have to like repark it after a few months to India. And then you have to repark it again after a few months. So at one point we... We had to make also the decision if we wanted to keep on traveling in the car after Sri Lanka mm -hmm. or if we wanted to go back home for a while. And I don't really know why, because we actually like traveling in the car, but for some reason we made the decision that we wanted to go back home first. For us it was also because India is like a little bit of a dead end. It's a little bit harder to go more across yeah. um, because you need to get a guide, you need to get, you need to spend quite a lot of money to go across these countries. And then you also always have to think about that you maybe have to go back at one point. So you go all the way, you go further and further away from home. Mm. And the further you go away from home, mm. the more complicated it gets to go yeah. back home. So maybe you, you guys know that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have to think about it, that it's very easier as an overlander or a van traveler to go into Iran and Pakistan than it is to go to Thailand. Or at least it is way cheaper and more mm. convenient because Thailand is such a touristy destination that you would think, yeah, it's easy to get inside. You just apply for an online visa, but unfortunately, when you're going by, by land and over the, yeah, the border crossings, then it's quite a hassle. Yeah. You always have, to, actually, almost for every country, you have to have the visa in advance. 
and unless or like if you're flying you can just get the visa on the airport a yeah. visa on arrival most uh, quite most of often. the times when you're coming from europe yeah, and we were kind of thinking that for iran and pakistan and then we got there or we, we kind of looked up while we were on the way we were yeah, like oh we, no we need to get it yeah there, but, but we actually got visa yeah. on arrival for iran yeah. yeah we got it then yeah, so. mm. yeah, but yeah but unfortunately they cancelled it yeah. how yeah. was it for you guys then well, the American continent with the visa situation. We were talking about this the other night, and um, I think if you compare the two journeys, the one that you've done and the one that we did previously um, through Latin America, I think the Pan American seems incredibly easy in comparison. And we knew that anyway, because we did some planning fairly early on in our, well, actually, we'd already decided and committed to driving around the world. And then we decided to do the planning about season two. Nice. Well, we knew it was going to be complicated. Like you said, there's so many. I don't think people realise how many different rules there are, not only for different passports, because we've all got different passports, and the dog's got a different passport, and the car has <laughs> got different rules too. So every single border you go to and country you go to, there's different things you have to think about and organise. And is this route now more, is this route now more complicated for you than the, ro the route? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100 times. Um, it's incredibly complicated, even without coronavirus, but with coronavirus, it's become so complicated mm -hmm. that you can't possibly comprehend all the pieces in one go. And it's like that anyway, right? You, you're not thinking about, what's my exit strategy from India? You're thinking about, how do I get into Abaz Azerbaijan? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got to take one day at a time uh, mm -hmm. with something so massive. Yeah, there are so many countries to explore, so many small countries as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the American country, you're uh, a little bit freer to move because it's sort of like the mindset of uh, at least the US and Mexico and Canada to go everywhere by car. Mm. And in, in Asia, at least, uh, the mindset is to go by, by bus or by, by, tra uh, by, tra uh, by flights or train, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So... I think it's very uncommon for them to travel around. Even the locals are not traveling by car. Well, I have a solution to that. We need to get more people in Asia watching our YouTube channels, get them interested in van life and overlanding, and then they'll, it will become really popular in their countries. Yeah, there are actually quite actually, a few going yeah. by tuk-tuk, an electric tuk-tuk, yeah. back what, from India back one, to Germany. One Indian engineer, yeah. yeah. He's coming from Delhi, I think, and he converted his tuk-tuk uh, from petrol to electric. And he put some solar on, on top and then you would just go to England yeah. only via uh, electric. You know, you sometimes you feel like you live in this small van and you feel like very minimalistic and you're and like, okay. open to the nature, yeah. yeah. But then you see these other kind of people that are even smaller and then you're like, how do they do that? And it's yeah. always, I think you can always go one step more extreme. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think walking. Yeah, respects walking. Um, for the bicycle yeah. Riders, yeah. Absolutely. The most hardcore way to travel long distance is via pedal power. Exactly. Although I do know a guy that did uh, pogo sticks, so that maybe he gets the crown. You know the pogo stick, yeah. the one you jump on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be quite you know, a challenge. Do you know Ed in, in America? I think he's... He's, no, he's, done, he's, he's yeah, from England. He, he's from England he's as well, right? Person. And he's done every, uh, the whole world by unicycle. Well, that would be hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I w what I was thinking about the Pan American and about the, the road, the trip to India or the trip to Nepal we did, um, 
because you hear about quite a lot of people from Europe going to America to do the Pan America. Especially Germans. Especially Germans, yeah, but you don't really hear, or maybe we don't hear, but about a lot of people who do the opposite way. So from America to Europe and just do a long travel. It's not so common. I think um, the Atlantic Ocean probably has something to do with that. Do you know, it's so uncommon to come from North America to Europe that there's very, well, at least in the UK, there's very few insurance options. In fact, all across Europe, right? Because we, we're insured with a German company and there's yeah. only one of two that will actually insure us. Yeah, there's only one company... Well, it's, it's difficult for us too, because not only are we an American vehicle, but we're an older vehicle as well. So there wasn't many insurance companies that would insure a vehicle our age and a vehicle from America. So there's only like one German company that does it that we are with. How's the Moroccan tea, by the way, guys? It's, it's very good. Yeah, really nice it's sweet, yeah. Mm. And that's about half the sugar they'd use in yeah. Morocco. Yeah, Americans, the same for Asians. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about how your financial preparations were before you left. Did you just save up a bunch of cash to pay for your fuel and food? It was yeah. sort of like the other way around. We, we saved up some for the, for the trip in Europe, but uh, along the way we figured out that uh, you can stretch the money more than we would uh, have anticipated it. Yeah. Uh, maybe also because we are also running on LPG. Yeah. which is in almost all countries less than half of what the normal prices are for hot petrol. So by this reducing our cost quite significantly. And um, and we have the, we had the car already and yeah. Stefan knows the car like inside out. He knows everything. So, so we didn't have any cost for the garages and so on. Yeah. So this, this is mm -hmm. like sort of like what reduces our costs along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And that, this, would, this would mean for us to travel longer and further. Yeah. Yeah, because fuel is the biggest expense, one of the biggest, yeah, isn't the, it? The biggest expense is fuel and visa, unfortunately, because some of the visas will get quite expensive, yeah. Mm. So we've talked about briefly the, the vehicle, but I think we need to dive into the, the, the synchro of synchro travels, don't you? Yeah. Um, so what is it? Well, what, what did you call your van as well? It doesn't have a name. You don't oh, have a name. Oh, it's a synchro. You don't have a name. It's very yeah, sad. Actually, either of us had a had a two-wheel drive Volkswagen bus beforehand, but they both of them would have the uh, name. But the uh, synchro, yeah, the synchro never, never got a name. name. Ah. Just, just like sort of like a mode of transportation for us along the way. So he's yeah. gotten you all across it's, the world. Yeah, he no, deserves a name. He should be more appreciated. <laughs> Oh. That's so funny. We, no, we were just calling the synchro all the time. And that's the synchro, that could be... And what's your... Do you have a name? For yeah, we company? called us Boomerang. Are you no. true? I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. I like the name the synchro. But, but the, then, synchro then, then the name suggests that you have to get it back to America or that you have to get back get it back to Germany. Oh. So. Have you ever thrown a boomerang and it's come back to you? No. It's very hard. Yeah, right. it's very hard. <laughs> it's hard to make a boomerang come back. Because I was thinking the same if it's if it has the name because you want to like do a circle around around the world or something. Yeah, that's what I brought up when Ben came up with that name. I'm like, well, that means it's going to end up back in Arizona in the desert. I wouldn't mind if we took boomerang to the Americas. I I am very much looking forward to going back to the Americas one day. This is the problem with the size of the world. It's small that you can get around it, but it's so big that, I mean, it's kind of sad that I won't be back in America for a few years at, at least, you know, mm -hmm. to do a meaningful trip. Yeah. But there's so many places that you can see. Um, 
those people that are listening and watching that are from America are blessed because um, it's a, a land rich with variety. And yeah. it's why a lot of Americans don't go overseas as well. Possibly that's, that's, yeah. that's true. If you're going abroad and in the US, then it means that you're going to another state. And yeah. it's actually the same for India. They would also go, uh, go abroad and they would even have different languages in different states. So for them, it would be like a whole new experience. Mm -hmm. I do think it's encouraging what you said earlier about the uh, guy with the solar-powered solar tuk-tuk. Because yeah. um, a lot of people, one of the number one questions that we get asked is, you know, how do you afford it? What do you do for work? Um, how do I make this possible for myself? Understandably, because it's, you know, amazing and everybody wants a, to, to experience that. Yeah. Um, but often people use the the thing of money to be like a, a barrier to prevent them from doing it. They think it's unattainable. And when you see someone of limited resources, um, you know, chasing their dream and, and achieving it yeah. on a budget, um, it's quite inspiring, I think. You know? I think it's definitely possible. Like you don't, that's what we noticed as well. We actually drove a lot less on our trip than we drove when we were back in Germany. Because here in Germany, if we wanted to go to the beach, we would have to drive 200 kilometers one way and 200 kilometers back. But there, when we were on the trip, we just kind of drove, I don't know, maybe 100 kilometers. And then we found a nice spot and we stayed there for a week. So, I mean, we had it was nice to have the time as well. But we spent so much less money on petrol and on food and because you kind of just size down everything yeah. so of course you have to save up and you have to plan and you have to also have a backup in case something happens but if you really want it then it's possible and even if you're not you know you don't have to buy a van and you have to do the full, full thing right away you can also start easily you can just maybe go hiking or just do something that you have never done before and just have a look what you like and what you want to do so yeah, i think you can do the whole tour in, in your golf if you like to do yeah the exactly there whatever people... like car you like to be nice to see yeah. more people doing those exactly. kind of things and in and, and former times people used to so let's talk about the synchro um what year did you say it was 91 91 yeah i think yeah. 1991 same as jenny's yes yeah. almost 30 years old but it's in much better shape than you are here what? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it doesn't have so many wrinkles. Those are fighting words, be careful. So uh, you mentioned that you went LPG. Uh, that was something we were considering. We were a bit worried about finding sources for LPG. But then, like you said the other day, they cook on gas everywhere, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's what we find to be really weird because loads of travelers go for petrol, they will go for diesel, they will go for... I don't know what's the other one, uh, the thing that petrol, uh, the for airplanes cooking? use. What do you mean? Airplanes with the kerosene. Kerosene, yeah, exactly. Some people will go for kerosene and everything, which is really hard to get everywhere. And gas is just, LPG is just available everywhere you go because you just have to have a look at the, what the locals are using. And it doesn't matter if you're in, in Asia or you're going to Spain or to Greece, everyone's cooking with. with um, LPG. And also driving, LPG, yeah. yeah. Also driving. Also driving in, is a big. In India, thing. like half of the tuk tuks, they have CNG or LPG. So um, mm -hmm. because it's much cleaner and much more nice for the environment for the uh, polluted cities. Yeah. I wonder what our engine builder would say if we wanted to convert boomerang to LPG. I'm not sure if he'd be too happy. Then with you us. just have to have to have a look if you've got hardened uh, valve seats. 
Mm. And if the if it because this is the main thing, uh, because the valve seats get a little bit hotter because the um, the running temperature is a little bit higher. But apart from that, that I was think the, the same. Yeah, that I was the problem that the, we had, right? Exactly. What was the problem you had? Uh, we had the problem which wasn't the valve seat, but it was the valve. Um, I don't know how it's called. The ring that that sort of like keeps the valve the in, uh, oh the um, guide the, the valve guide, valve guide. yeah the valve guide going, like, exactly yeah. yeah the valve guide was like not put in properly I think from the mm. from the get go uh, and this one decided to move out and then uh, spring around all over the engine so would you recommend to someone to to put, go for LPG for an overland trip yeah I think I think it's a good idea. Yeah, it's also a little bit cleaner, especially if you're driving an old car, maybe. Yeah. Plus, plus you, you can still use the gasoline as if you would normally do. Yeah. And if you've got about the same size of uh, petrol versus LPG tank, then you effectively get the double amount of range. So mm. you're also extending your range in case you're going some of these other places where, where you need to have a little bit more range to go on on a, on a single filling, yeah. Yeah, there are actually quite a lot of people that are afraid of LPG, also with the cooking. But, you know, like almost everyone in the world is cooking with LPG or with, with gas. And like in India, they're throwing the bottles like out of the car and it just it bounces onto the street. And it's like it's maybe that's that's the other extreme. So yeah. you should be at least a little bit careful. But on the other hand, like if you have we have like a, a warning system, just like a warner a gas warner and yeah do we have like a de de <laughs> detector like no. since when do we have a gas detector in our car we didn't have one no. are you sure okay maybe do you feel like you need one your, your tank's outside right yeah that's true i see that you're wearing an old volkswagen t-shirt um but why choose a synchro for this journey like did, did that come into did did you already have the synchro did you look for it together or no, we, we, as, a, as I said, we already had the same car as uh, two-wheel drive versions beforehand. And um, yeah, the Synchro was sort of like always a dream to have a four-wheel drive version because uh, we wouldn't call it a holiday if we hadn't been stuck once with our old car. Yeah, and, always and had to, I always had to dig. Dig out and yeah. push and so on. And then, <laughs> so we said it might be a good idea to, to change to a four-wheel drive. He was but sitting there having the time of his life getting stuck in the sand and I was just being so annoyed because I was always the one who had to go outside, yeah, dig a hole and push. <laughs> yeah. and but we, we actually use the four-wheel drive way more in Europe than you would yeah, outside, outside of uh, Europe. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you don't I really need the four-wheel drive to, yeah. go, to go all the places. Of course, there are some places, mm. especially the parking places, if you want to have a really empty and castaway place, then sometimes four-wheel drive is the way to go. Yeah. But most of the times uh, you can find the same place, maybe f 50 meters different, 50 meters closer to the road. So you wouldn't be 200 meters off the road, but maybe 300 meters if, with four-wheel drive. And that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> but we found quite nice sometimes that if you go downhill quite steep, that you are able to go back up with a four-wheel drive. But then on the other hand as well, if you get stuck somewhere, you can always kind of get some help from some people somewhere. Yeah. So even with a two-wheel drive, you can just try. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, you know, the, the less off-road capable you are, the easier it is uh, uh, to, for other people to rescue you. Mm. If you have a two-wheel drive car, you just need to have a ladder or whatever to, to pick you up again. If you have a four-wheel drive, you will go 
so far that you will get stuck quite badly, so you need to bigger try. And in case you have a Unimog or a MRN or a Cut or whatever before six or eight wheel drive, if you get stuck then, then you're really fucked. Yeah, up. he's gonna rescue exactly. you in that. <laughs> then you need like twelve tractors to pull you out yeah, to, to get going again. And it seems like a nightmare. I would, I just would not want that option. Exactly. I saw so many awesome trucks uh, when we were in Morocco and a lot of them were from Germany, actually. All of them were from Europe, and most of them were from Germany and Switzerland, um, and they were amazing trucks, and I would love to go on an adventure in them. They look so comfortable with all the resources and so many hundreds of liters of carrying capacity in terms of water. But if you get stuck in that thing, and those persons would usually be very, very careful to get stuck. They, yeah. they would go on very, Easier roads. easier roads than we would go. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I even that. you would go with boomerang. I noticed that all the time. Like there'd be a perfectly good cliff top parking space with a few little vans there, and then you'd go to a flat kind of park parking area yeah. in town, and that's where the big rigs would exactly, be. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit off. Yeah, mm. exactly. Did you have sand ladders with you that you bought to get you out of? Yeah, yeah we got. We have. You used it quite a lot. We had four of them with us. We've got like the really slim. Um, glass fiber ones, which yeah. are really nice. I always, I was always the one who had to go outside and stuck them in. You no, could, not all the time. You could have driven us, driven us well. Yeah, that's time. true. <laughs> did you prepare the vehicle mechanically at all, like for the journey, or did you just get in and drive on day one? Yeah, we sort of like because we went on holidays already, so we knew our our van already, and this is what I would give as a recommendation for people as well, not to have like a set date and then have the vehicle ready a day before but rather do the vehicle uh, like as a steady project try it out have a look throughout what you're not really keen on and what you're not using and then keep on going on weekends or holidays and whatever and then figuring out what what kind of vehicle you really like and what you like to have with you and this is what we did i think especially for the for the big trip we, there was nothing special we took or something it was just what we would usually have... Um, Plus a little bit more warm clothes, because we exactly. knew that we would go maybe in the cold. Exactly. But maybe in the cold. I've seen your videos. <laughs> it looks more than maybe in the cold. Yeah, exactly, because you sort of like go through different different seasons. Then, of course, you, you need to have the beach clothes as well as some winter clothes. So. But when we left, like it kind of felt like just going to the beach again. Like we didn't feel like going on a big trip and even our parents were like, bye-bye, you know what? No one really, re because we've done this so often. So it wasn't really something special, but then we were away for like one and a half years in the car. Yeah. So. But we didn't, as we said, we didn't plan to go. We didn't plan it. No, actually we just wanted to do the small trip. So maybe that's also why. Yeah. Janine, can you tell me a, bit, a little bit about how the interior was prepared for the trip? Not well at all. <laughs> Interior is like cupboards and stuff, right? So Inside, we have yeah. cupboards. So we have like we like we we didn't really spend a lot of time like building the van out inside. We just have like one of those I IKEA schrank. <laughs> oh, an IKEA schrank. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> we've got one of those too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do we call this one? A cupboard? Or no, rather this. One? This is a wardrobe. Um, yeah. It has like a shelf you know with boxes. Yeah, exactly. Like the shelf is maybe the best. It's yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm so it's it's pre-made. I mean, I, I've had the privilege of looking in there. It's always fun when you see a van on, on 
TV and then you get to see it in real life. Um, and we're parked right next to you right now in your in your barn. So uh, it's quite nice to have it's nice to have the two vans next to each other. But inside your van, it it is it strikes me and reminds me of my first van um, in the Astro Alaska project. That was done not in a rush, um, but in a relatively short amount of time with relatively short resources and just not just putting something in that was functional without being over the top, you know. And yours looks like it's kind of minimalist you know apart from one standout luxury feature which i would like to ask you about do you know what it is yeah what, what is it you probably mean the floor, floor heating and the floor heating and the floor heating and the seat heating that was actually that's actually quite nice yeah because we have a, a water heater inside which i probably wouldn't do it again but we had at the time and we thought it would be a, a good idea and uh, to have a water heater to fill up the the floor heating as to not have a ventilation need, so you would have like nice and not too dry air inside. Um, but because of the, the higher energy consumption, um, electricity-wise, um, it wasn't such a good idea. But that's what we stick with and we didn't change the drawing of the wood because we didn't need the, the heating that often. There must have been some situations like that video I saw of, of you in the snow. Were you drunk in that in that video? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> can, can you explain to to me the, the drunken filming that I saw on YouTube? Oh my god. I don't I think we, we drove up this mountain road and there was no one there and it was completely quiet and empty. And then all of a sudden there were like five it was in Armenia, right? The snow, there was snow everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was looking at that thinking I, where are they going? Are they going to get stuck? Because it looked like treacherous. I did. I didn't even know why we went up that road. Uh, uh, that that road. I think we went up because you have from the top of that road you have quite a nice view to the Mount Ararat, yeah. which is in Turkey, and it's just a very special mountain. So we wanted to go up that road to have a nice look on the other mountain. Does it make sense? Yeah, but <laughs> so we drove up this road and it was completely empty, completely quiet, snowing and cold and then there were people picnicking there and we were just like we were wondering what they were doing and they, they also were wondering what we were doing there and they were so friendly they were just like come on come on and they were russians can... yeah yeah they were russian russians and then um so they a lot of vodka us. has has passed yeah they invited us for food and for drinks and stefan never drinks and drives so he always says like i don't even drink a sip when i'm driving like no no good on you mate so he didn't drink at all but then they said that I have to drink like twice as much. <laughs> like, well, it makes sense. I mean, exactly. they didn't really force me to, but they were just, it was just so funny and they were yeah. just so nice. So I just kept on drinking Stefan's stuff. And then I got super drunk because we usually don't and drink they, much. And they would race their <laughs> snowmobiles up and down and they would roll their snowmobiles multiple times. So. Wow. Actually, it was a little bit dangerous maybe riding, but I was wearing a helmet, so I don't know, I think. Um, wow. Yeah, and, um, and then, we ended up parking for the night there. Yeah, exactly. But we went close up a little to, bit Close to the top uh, until we were stuck. So. And how did your underfloor heating serve you in the freezing cold on top of the mountain? We, was that one of the situations where you were able to use it? Yeah, we, we, we are able to use it, but because our battery system isn't like super sophisticated, we had 80 amps of, of battery inside the van. And we would, when we would have solar, when we would have sun, then it wouldn't be a problem, but without the sun, um, the energy, uh, the battery would be depleted quite 
quite quickly. So we would just switch it on for one hour in the evening and one hour in the morning, maybe, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, those are the key times, aren't they? Because to be honest, when you live outdoors, you do tend to go to bed with the, the available light. Exactly. You know, so you're, you're not really up before exactly. the sun's up exactly. and you don't stay up much longer after the sun goes down. What's the point, right? And what we did sometimes, we would just kind of go for a strong walk to kind of feel warm again. And yeah, yeah. and with the battery... That's the real budget solution, isn't it? The budget <laughs> van life heating right there. A yeah. strong walk. <laughs> a strong walk. Or Russian vodka. Yeah. <laughs> probably almost Russian even vodka. cheaper. Yeah. I think Russian Combine vodka both vodka. of those with some snowmobile rolling and I think you're, you're good for the night, aren't you? Yeah, yeah we, um, because we have a very small battery, because our van... Like we never build it to live in it, we just kind of build it to go on holidays with it. And then we somehow started living in it without really planning. And um, so we have like this very small battery. Oh, was it 80 amp hours? 80 yeah. amp hours, yeah. Yes, yeah. and just a normal lead acid battery? No, it, is, it is a deep yeah. cycle IGM. battery, so we could, all, we could almost use everything from... But this one is 11 years old or something. It was very old. Also. Yeah. So it was five years old when we used it, but the same because we knew that it worked um, very well before. Why change it out if you knew it's gonna gonna be good? You know, if you if you take something super new in the get go, I think you're gonna have problems with it because you always have to dial it in a little bit just to see. Of course, you can get lucky and everything will be working out fine, but sometimes. We're going to talk about your um, video series in, in a little bit, but I'd imagine, just whilst we're on the topic of power, that as you started to do more and more of the documenting and video making, your needs for power went up. You did mention that you added some solar panels on the journey. So you started out with, a, what, 100 amp hours? 100 uh, watts, sorry? 100 watts, yeah. And then I was always getting in trouble when I was sitting in front of the computer. Stephen was always like, the battery's running low, the battery's running low. Yeah, it sounds like me. <laughs> well, although I don't have that issue anymore, but I did previously, so. Yeah, now, it's, now it should be okay, right? With yeah, oh, honestly, like um, when we installed our Battleborn batteries, uh, we were very lucky that we had the, the CEO of the company, um, like the original um, founder of the company, come down and meet us and bring us the equipment. Mm -hmm. And he said to us at the time, he said, these batteries will relieve your battery anxiety. And I thought, you know, that's marketing speech. Like, it's, it sounds nice. Mm -hmm. But honestly, we don't have to think about power. No. And it's... You, you only have to think about weight, yeah. 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 You have to think <laughs> about weight. And the batteries help with that. Um, mm -hmm. But we've got four of them, and it's probably wow. as much as weight as we'd want to be carrying battery-wise in a small van. Yeah. So you can work through all night, probably. Yeah, we have our, our computers rendering all the time, overnight, at least a few nights a week. Um, and often both of us are working during the day full time. And the great thing is that we don't have to worry if we're parked in the shade. I mean, just recently it's been really hot here, hasn't it? So uh, it's, it's nice to be able to not worry about that power issue. And also, you know, when you because we kind of relied on solar pen power in the end, we got like more and more solar, but we never changed the battery because the battery was still okay. But that meant when the sun was really burning on the car and it was really hot inside, that was the time for me to be inside the vehicle. Yeah, and yeah. Because that was yeah the we know all we about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, actually, we actually ordered a, or no, we would have an Indian company to build us. Uh, a lithium battery because they said they were going to build a for us from scratch. They said no problem, we do it. 
tomorrow yeah. it's ready. No, <laughs> not, not like that. They but said they, they said they would take three to four weeks. So we said, yeah, that sounds sounds good because we made the plans together, like which cells to use, what kind of battery system and everything. But somehow they kept on uh, pushing it further and further and further, and then yeah. uh, we we sort of like cancelled cancelled the whole thing, and we haven't come back yeah. to the lithium yet. So. Maybe that's a plan for next time. Yeah, I think it's, it's the it's way just, forward, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just just super expensive at the moment. In the end, if you have a look over the lifespan, I think it's way cheaper. But if you have a, lo a monetary look, it's just super, super expensive. It makes sense once you start spending a lot of time inside the van or with your van. Because yeah. as long as you only use it for the holiday, you don't really want to sit in front of the computer the whole time during your holiday, so then there's not really a point in spending so much time on Except for when you have really bad weather and oh, you have forced or you sort of like go inside because it's raining all day and this will but be then when you, also you don't get the solar power. But then you also don't want to do a holiday in the van, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, for, for anyone that's spending a lot of time in their van, living in it full time um, or working from, from their vehicle. And this is the thing that I think that um, is really going to take off for people that are wanting to get into van life. I can see a, a, a huge opportunity from this uh, pandemic thing where people are now able to work remotely. So even sometimes their companies are insisting that they work remotely. Perhaps people will be doing desk sharing or they just won't be going into an office at all. Why, if you, if you can work at home, why can't you work from a van? We do it all the time. Um, and I can tell you now that, you know, maybe you work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at home or in the office, and then you go on Friday to a forest or a mountain. As long as you've got a good signal, you can work Friday, finish a bit early, enjoy the mountain. You, you've got a longer weekend. You can wake up there on Monday morning when all those other fools are getting on the train, commuting, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and you're sitting there in a mountain. You're in, already there, yeah. You're already in the office, yeah. chilling out, beautiful view. Honestly, once you've sampled that kind of, yeah. like, flexibility in your work, it could completely change your um, mental health, you know? I think it's going to change a lot in the next couple of years when the, when the satellite systems for internet is really, because they are building it up hugely to have internet available everywhere in the world like fast reliable internet that's also affordable yeah i noticed that when we were looking up at the stars last night oh satellite oh satellite yeah. too many satellites yeah. all right so i'm curious um you know how you'll know exactly what i mean when i say that you get attached to your vehicle particularly when it comes to like doing any work on it when mm -hmm you don't want other people to touch it because you don't feel that they will do the same, have the same level of care mm -hmm. as you will. Do you, can you relate to that? Yeah, that's actually part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing at the moment. Because <clears throat> whenever we would go somewhere, we would get a lot of the time, we would get the feeling that the people have done their car in a certain way and wasn't like thought all the way through from the beginning because it was a little bit off, you know, it was more like, um, maybe a plumber has done this and maybe an electrician has done this but it's not like a van or a camper van builder has done the whole thing with a nice neat compact system that uh, that everything fits together and that's part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing at the moment is which is um, advising people to do different stuff for example solar panels and so on because most of the people will just put their solar panels on and put them in, in parallel and then not worry about it at all. And uh, because very little people, and when you're going out to a normal 
solar star, they won't know that you can put them in series as well, which is probably most of the times better for a camper van anyway. So it's always a little bit weird to see. Depends on the, the panels, right? Because if they don't have um, like the, the bypass diode, and you, you get that shading problem that where you can knock out like the whole panel just from a little bit of shading. Exactly, yeah. I noticed on your roof that yours was sitting a little bit below the roof rack, the one that's on there at the moment. Yeah. Did that ever cause you problems, the shading? No, I reckon if the, if the sun is so low that the, the shade will affect that your, your energy will be so little. So if you're having maybe 200 watts of solar and you only get five watts out and then you're dropping down to three watts, it's like nothing before and nothing now, so it doesn't really matter. And if it's, it's like straight on, then it doesn't, doesn't matter at all. Mm. After we had 300 watts of solar, we never had any problems anymore with the, with yeah. the power. How much solar do you have on your van now, on Boomerang? Is it 380? It's close, it's close to that. Yeah. It's 320. Oh, 320. And what was the maximum you were actually getting out of them? We get 320. You actually get 320. Yeah, not, good. not at the, We haven't had that for a little while, but we also haven't got up there and cleaned it yeah. for a little while. So that may be related to that, yeah, that issue. That's so weird. And you've got monocrystalline glass panels, right? Yeah. Because that's what's, what we get the feeling as well. The, with the monocrystalline glass panels, you will actually get what you pay for. And we had some flexible ones in the beginning, and we would never, ever, even in the Indian sun, get what was written on it. So. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's that a lot of people want to go for those flexible panels for the convenience. Sometimes it's, you know, your only convenient option. It's definitely more stealthy. Um, but for overlanding in particular, I didn't want to do that because um, I felt that they didn't last as long. Um, partly because they can get scratched up when you're cleaning them. And then also partly because they, they are stuck straight to the roof and so all of the heat goes onto the panel and has nowhere to disappear and also heats up the camper van yeah yeah so it heats up the van it it um, deteriorates the panel quicker because it's not able to cool yeah. so there's lots of advantages to having the fixed ones when you're overlanding yeah. but for weekend campers you know the stealth one is, is totally good yeah but i reckon for weekend campers even the small box which you can just fold out and then put it inside your cigarette lighters doing fine as well, which you just pack down for the night and it's good. Yeah, that has the advantage that you can chill out in the shade and put the panels in the sun, which yeah. is nice, right? Yeah. Then you wouldn't have to be doing your work in the direct <laughs> sun. In the hot car, yeah. Yeah, we thought about that too. Um, but so far, we've been doing okay. You know, we don't have to worry too much, so yeah. the power is nice. Um, so you didn't really get much mechanical work done by other people on the way to your vehicle? No, we, we, we actually never get let people, other, other people work on our car. We would always do the thing on our own. They always wanted to, like in Armenia, we were at this one very, very nice workshop. Oh, Luke. Hi, Luke. We'll talk about you in a minute, boy. In Armenia, we were in one workshop and um, like the people really wanted to help us. And Stefan was always, because they didn't know the car, so it took them much longer to get things out and in. And you could see Stefan like always trying to like, like kind of, Nice. The exhaust, yeah. yeah. The exhaust has to go in like, like a like sort of puzzle where you have to twist it in this way to 
to get it up and then I would have to move over and over again and then you would have it in the right place and whenever I would push it in and then over then you would be like oh yeah it's almost there and you would ram it in and then it would be stuck again in this weird position so you would have to force it out again so and that would happen three or four times and I was like oh yeah we have to get this and this just to shove them off and then, you know you could do it quickly so Some, sometimes they are just a little bit too brutal yeah. <laughs> Luke wants to go out and play with Alaska, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I think it's a big advantage if you like. Yeah, for us it was a big advantage that Stefan could do everything um, because then you also know how it's done and you understand it. So we've talked about your preparations. We've talked about the vehicle. Um, I really want to talk about the journey, but honestly, I think we have to talk about Luke. He's making a big fuss right now. He wants the attention, you can tell. Shall I put him on? Come on. What, a, what a pleasure and what an asset he has been to your travels. It's so nice to see you guys um, here all together now. And there's a lot behind that story because that didn't look like it was going to happen at one point, did it? L Luke here has got some interesting stories to tell. Um, can you run us through from the beginning? Did you think you were going to pick up a dog along the way? Not at all. Not, not, neither of us ever grew up with a dog mm -hmm. and we couldn't really picture our life with a dog and especially not traveling with a dog. Right. So we, never, we were never looking for a dog or anything, but <laughs> look, come here. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't, like, we couldn't imagine it, right? And then we found this little we were at this one parking spot and there was no one else around. And then all of a sudden there was this little dog. So we took him to the vet and then the vet said that it actually happens quite often that small dogs either get abandoned, is it abandoned? Or <laughs> ausgesetzt? Or, um, or they are getting separated from their mother. So we kind of, it was an island kind of, so we just kept looking around in that area if we could find the mother because he was still very small, but there was no one there. So we kept him for a week and in that week we started doing researching about how to travel with a dog and if it could work at all and we tried to imagine our life with a dog and um, after one week we went to the vet again and then she said it would be the best for, for him, for the dog, if you could take him with you because on this island we don't really have a dog shelter and sometimes we have to put them down if we cannot find a parent for the dogs. So then it was like we were actually quite happy that she said it because we wanted to, or not happy, but we wanted to. At that point, we were so in love with Luke already that we couldn't imagine. You asked me if we could keep him after a couple of seconds. Or yeah, yeah, we, I, we, I saw him for two seconds. I was like, okay, can we keep him? Yeah, oh, he's very oh. lucky you found him. Yeah, 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 we are. It's it's different traveling with a dog. So I mean, it's I'm I'm so happy that we have Luke. It's. It's like the best that ever happened to us. But you also have to plan everything a little bit different. For example, when we were in Sri Lanka, we wanted to fly home, both of us. But traveling but with a van, I think and it doesn't okay. matter at all. Yeah, but like it's it nothing you, you, have to, you have to do special, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it depends on what you want to do. So for us, it was okay because we could just take Luke with us. Yeah. But just if you're, going by, if you're tra uh, planning to go by train for some journeys, then it's a little mm. bit bigger of a... Hassle, hassle to take a dog along. Mm. Yeah. It is hard sometimes, like, with um, be going to places where you can't have a dog. Like, if you're into visiting 
museums or art galleries for a few hours and you don't know you can't put a dog or so even in America we found in some national parks you couldn't have a dog so you couldn't go to that so there is a few things that you have to miss out on or mm. you know work around but yeah. or in Australia even more yeah, yeah. Like whole regions where there's no dogs about it mm. but in Australia they sell these um, like costumes for dogs that turn them into kangaroos and legally <laughs> you're allowed to take a kangaroo everywhere so <laughs> That's, that's, really that's, good. that's what Leah told me anyway. Nice. If, do you think it would be hard to get Alaska into Australia? Do you think? No, I'm sure we can find somewhere to hide her in the van. Like there's, there's lots of store. You know, we just put her in the cupboard. Or you just, have, you just have to go from New Caledonia. I think that's sort of like the last where you could go by ferry. And then it's only a very mm. very short way to go to Darwin. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be quite difficult to get her in, but once she's in, she's in. That's yeah. true. Mm. Yeah, I would I would search for a boat to smuggle her. That would be nice. <laughs> Can you imagine? They will fine you so much money if they call you. Yeah. Do you remember that advertisement? Do not come. You will not make <laughs> but, Australia but I'm just, home. I'm just imagining if you're going by sailing boat to Australia. Then you arrive at the harbour, and then you would have to drive with a car to the customs point, right? Probably. I'm not too sure how so, that would work. And then you in the dog, might have run off, and you couldn't find it again. Mm. They have very. You heard about like that Johnny Depp got into a big trouble because he brought his dogs really? there without yeah. clearing them or whatever, and he got. And how did he manage to do that? He on his private plane. On his private. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. It's Johnny yeah, Depp, isn't it? Yeah, why don't you take your private plane? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish. Yeah, so we have, we have to see. It, it's, it's one of those things where it, it takes so much um, work to like think about and to sort out that it's you know, too far to, too far to, to, to think about it. Also. And it, it might change. change. Yeah, yeah. It's, I have found that there are some sacrifices you have to make when traveling with a dog, especially with Alaska. Um, it's not always straightforward. I do think it's more rewarding than any of the troubles, and I'm sure you guys agree. Um, but as well as not being able to experience some things, there's also how does the animal interact with the locals and how does the animal interact with other animals yeah. you know, on the journey? Um, how is Luke? He, he always loves people whoever it was, yeah. He's very open. We always call it like the street puppy gene. Oh God, I'm so bad in English today. Jeans. <laughs> the street puppy jeans, because he's always going from person to person and he's like just a very open dog. And the same with other dogs as well, but he always needs to be the boss. So as long as he's the boss, everything is fine. <laughs> but luckily when we were traveling, um, to India, like m many dogs were smaller than him, apart from the regions where they were bigger than him. <laughs> that sounds very nice. <laughs> oh gosh, maybe you should talk for a while. <laughs> you talk now. Yeah. yeah how no, how's it with Alaska actually? Like how how is because she's also very open, right? There. She didn't really have too many attacks from dogs, but she uh, she had a few um, interesting encounters with with street dogs. Uh, but now everything has been pretty good. Whilst we've been traveling through the Western world, like the US is amazing for dogs. They're so um, welcoming to dogs. Um, Morocco, we were a bit worried, but for the most part, the humans were okay. Um, there's a lot of rabies, so we had to be quite cautious with how Alaska was with um, the rabid dogs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did Luke ever get attacked on, on the journey? Once, yeah. yeah. 
but in Armenia. He, he got in a fight loads of times actually, but normally they they end up like fighting for a couple of seconds and after this they will figure out who's stronger. Normally it wouldn't be like a, a really big deal. Yeah. Only in, in Armenia once. They would rip them apart. You, well. you said the, the the dogs were really big. Is that yeah, the way you? Those were like the. I think they are also called Georgian or Caucasian ship ship dogs. Um, they those, have those were have been yeah. have been bred to to attack bears. So. Yeah. And, I and the wolves. Yeah. So they have very very big dogs there. And. Uh, so what happened with that situation? It it can get a little bit difficult, and that was for us the same as well because. Um, there are not so many vets in some countries and also the streets are very bad. So when we were in Armenia, we were kind of off grid and then Luke got attacked by like a pack of these big dogs. We got him out, but he had like a few bites on his belly and especially the belly part is quite dangerous. Um, and then we were looking up for a vet and there was one vet on Google Maps in Armenia and it was th a three hour drive Actually, away. Actually, there's loads of vets, but all of the vets would be specialized in like cows for eating yeah. or pigs for eating you know they would just do like normal examinations whether or not they would be fit for human consumption but of course those would be like totally different and the vets and they wouldn't be open like to a public for for just you know be dogs because i think in these countries like you don't really have people don't have the pet dog they have maybe a dog as a working yeah. Mate. So you need to know, it's good to know how to do like first aid for your dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah things would be good. That must have been a, quite a scary situation to have him so viciously attacked. Yeah. Like, and Stephanie said you you ran into the middle of it without yeah. thinking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, could, it could have easily gone the other way if they decided to attack humans as well. But, but they are, usually these dogs are very shy with humans, so they yeah. would attack a dog, but as soon as they see a human and you do something or you even just pick up a stick, then they or would you just walk towards away. them, they would be very scared of you already. Yeah. We, which is actually quite weird because we, had, we talked to some people who would be traveling by bicycles and they said that the street dogs would attack them regularly. Really? Yeah. When they were cycling? When they were yeah. cycling. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, because somehow they attacked the, the cycling dogs. And they said as well, when they're stepping off the bicycle to push, they wouldn't attack them anymore. Mm. As soon as they, they would jump on and mm. start to just get rolling, they, they would be vicious again. So That's frustrating. Yeah, you, have you seen the dogs barking in the wheel? Like they run along the road and they'll bark right into the wheel. No. You've not seen that? No. I've seen that loads of times. Maybe. Get to watch it. <laughs> Usually, you know, when you're driving in Asia, where, where it's getting really, really hot, you don't see the dogs out during the day mm. because it would just mm. be too hot for them. They are laying in the shade somewhere mm -hmm. uh, just to be chilling. So they would only come out during morning and evening. Usually all the street dogs are quite lazy. So they don't <laughs> really do anything, especially in Turkey. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm sure at the point that you'd rescued uh, Luke, you'd been living with him in this tiny van, experiencing all these things together. Um, rescued him again when he got attacked from the bear killing <laughs> dogs i'm picturing this chaotic scene and then by that point you were really attached to him and then you told me what happened in india um I, like that must have been heartbreaking can you run us yeah. through the, the what happens yeah it was we often get asked if we ever had any bad experiences and this, that was like the one only really, really bad experience. But this is also kind of the worst thing that could happen. 
Um, I can imagine a hundred worse things. Worse things than Luke being kidnapped? We could have got into an accident. We could both could have been killed. We could have been paralyzed. Uh, uh, yeah. We could have been kidnapped. I mean, now, I mean, now that he's... <laughs> we could have drowned. Yeah, I can already see the comments when you say there's nothing worse that could happen. <laughs> than but for me... In this time, it was the worst. You know, usually you have like all these dreams and you have all these wishes. And it was such a weird feeling as well to just, you start having just only this one wish. You just want this one thing in the world. And um, yeah, so I, I actually didn't say what happened yet, right? So yeah, maybe I think you got in a little bit happened. too deep. Yeah, it's, um, so I was, I was inside the van and I was doing just some work on the laptop. And Luke, because it was, it's too hot in India inside the van sometimes. And um, you probably know that as well. So Luke would always sleep underneath the van. There's some air and it's uh, nice in the shade. Anyways, he was sleeping underneath the van. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't, the door was not even closed. I was not wearing earphones or anything, but India is such a loud country. So I didn't really hear anything. And then suddenly someone knocked on my door and they said that my, that he couldn't speak English, but he pointed to the empty leash and he, pointed to a tuk-tuk and he just did like this. So then I kind of understood what he meant, but I couldn't, like, I was just so shocked and I just started bursting into tears and you were in town organizing a few thing, thing, things for the van. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was alone and um, Luke wasn't there and I just knew that a tuk-tuk apparently took him somewhere and I just kind of burst into tears and I made a big scene and then many people started coming around me and um, then they started to translate what the the guy was trying to tell me, and then they translated that it took 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 him, and um, yeah, it was yeah, it was shocking. It was the police came, but they also couldn't do anything. There are so many bad things happening in India, like a dog being kidnapped, and actually the kind of funny thing is that dog kind of means in Hindi it means daughter. So I would always say my dog is being kidnapped and they would think my daughter is being kidnapped. So they were like very shocked and really wanted to help. And once they found out that it was just a dog, they were like, oh, this is not, this is not, so just pick that one. You can just take another one. It's, there's, there's two over there, you know? Um, yeah, so it was really, really hard. Did you give up hope that you would see him again? Um, not, not really. We always tried, but it took us, it, uh, and us and a lot of friends, we got through the church, through through the um, search, we got to know quite a lot of people that helped us, luckily. Um, and after three months, we kind of said that we have to keep trying, but we also have to maybe try to find a way to live with this. Because the bad thing, if this happens to you, you can never really have closure. Because you always think, if I do a little bit more, if I do another advertisement, if I do another this, that, then maybe it will finally reach the right person. And we did everything. We did like reward, we did flyers, we did advertisement, we did everything possible. Everything someone would su suggest us, we would just do it. Because we didn't know the country, we didn't know the culture, so we just did, had to rely on other people as well. Um, and yeah, it, we, we never really gave up hope completely, but it's it was... Yeah, it was a long time. Over three months is a very long time. Yeah, that is a really long time. Um, mm -hmm. So we were kind of thinking, okay, maybe we have to find a way. Try to deal with this. Try to find closure. Keep looking, but also try to find a way to live with it. And then 
But then luckily, like 10 days later, he, he got found. Finally, some flyer reached the right person and we got the right call. We had been looking, we had, at that point, we, were, we had been looking at like 200 dogs or something. So like every day we would get pictures of dogs, but it was never Luke. And, and in India, you know, the, the, the people think different. They are like, they show you a picture of a brown dog and then they're like, I found Luke, I found Luke. And you're like, okay, and you're getting very excited. And then it's a brown dog and you're like, I'm sorry, but this is not my dog. And they're like, why not? <laughs> Just get a car dog. <laughs> So they, it's um, hard, they, they don't have this connection to dogs. So it's, um, mm -hmm. But for us, it's a family member. Yeah. yeah, that would be really tough. I can't imagine going through something like that. For such a long time as well. Like We have to applaud your um, tenacity to keep going and keep trying to find Luke. Um, I think I would have given up hope at that point, probably like you did, that you would ever start to think that you would ever see him again. And to see you all together now is just so amazing. So, yeah, we, we couldn't have done, it wasn't, everyone always says, you found Luke, Luke and you, you did such a great job that you found Luke, but actually it wasn't us. Like, of course yeah. we also did stuff, but we couldn't have done it without our friends in India. Like, they, they were the so ones. Mostly just Vijaya. Yeah. yeah, mostly Vijaya. She would be getting like, I think she was like, I don't know. Yeah. Because the thing she, she was really obsessed with yeah. it, you know, like really obsessed that she wouldn't sleep for days or so, mm. just keep on. And then we would actually have to calm her down not to go for every person who would call her. Yeah. And they would say, no, I can't show you a picture. Then she would say, yeah, okay, I'm going to be coming. And India and China is like, when, you, when you have a look at the, people. Yeah. I think if you count the surroundings, there's like 20 million people living there. Wow. So this would be like the area of people. So you would easily take you a day to go from the one side to the other and back. And she went everywhere and at one point we kind of, we, had, we talked to her and we said, we have to find a way to... To, to pat your work down. Yeah, yeah, because you cannot do, you cannot keep on doing this. And we also, that was also very bad because we had to leave the country because first because of our visa and then because of the car, because you're only allowed to stay a certain amount of time with the car in the country. Yeah. You probably know that as well from your travels. And, and during that whole process, uh, you were making your video series. Um, I'm sure you didn't feel like um, documenting the troubles you were going through, but it, I'm, I'm so glad you did. Um, it was such a uh, difficult but so incredible story to see. Yeah, the, like the thing was we, um, we, it was a point where we didn't really want to take any more videos, but also there was so much happening that was um, also interesting like it was just like oh we had the engine failure we had to go to Nepal and um, I just started to take a little some videos by with my mobile phone because I just felt like I couldn't I couldn't have the strength to hold the camera and also was thinking I would never use this footage anyways because yeah. I was if Luke wasn't there I couldn't I couldn't do the series um, just to have some memories yeah yeah but yeah somehow I don't know, yeah, we ended up at least taking a few shots, so that's... Now I'm happy that I did it, that we did that why as did well. You, why did you first start to make a video series? Because of you guys. That's actually quite a big, yeah. big part, yeah. Now, Janine always used to, when she was... 
nine or so she would take videos of with her friends yeah. dancing mm. and so on really and good videos <laughs> uh, she would cut them and make special effects already and ah, cool. <laughs> she would always do when we were going to holidays to Norway and we, when we were going to to places she would always mm. make some videos about it like one video just for friends you know I think I remember seeing any dancing in the series, maybe, oh, yes. and special effects and transitions. How did you find it making videos on the road? It was hard, a little bit difficult because we didn't have so much power. <laughs> um, yeah, Janine would obsess about it quite a lot to yeah. just be doing voiceovers 80 times in a row. So Did you, did you find it hard to find a quiet place to do a voiceover? Because some countries are really loud. Yeah, especially like when we were in India, I just wanted to like sometimes just be in front of the laptop and work and there were always people coming and they were so nice. They would bring you tea and they were just wanting to have a chat and um, but you never really have some time for you and for the van. For the van, for the videos. What yeah. was your motivation for bringing the camera out? Why were you creating the series? Actually, just for us and for our family. Yeah. And also because, like, I don't know, we watched a few videos of you, from you guys, and we were like, oh, wow, this is, like, very professional. Maybe we can at least try to also, because it's so nice to, to see how, um, how other people are traveling. And um, then we thought maybe we can also give something back. Like, some to impression every, back, yeah. Yeah, some impressions of our travels back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was incredibly valuable. I know that um, a lot of it was with English subtitles, but I was um, I found it very interesting. Just even the videos that you took um, just driving on the road, you know, seeing what the other roads are like and the other towns are like. Mm. And it's it's really nice to be able to just sit there and drive through the world with you guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah same for us. <laughs> for the first time, I, I got the um, experience of just clicking through episodes that took you months you know, so you suddenly like live six months of your life yeah. just like in a few episodes. Yeah, great. And what was actually quite nice as well that you, because we, we were already back home in Germany, but we still had some footage left and you kind of, we were able to do the whole travel like twice. It felt, at least it felt like it's... You can it, live through it once more time yeah. and editing. So um, after your travels, uh, life brought you back to Germany. Um, was the journey coming back anything like the journey going there? You mean taking the van back or yeah. flying back? Yeah. You drove back, right? Yeah. yeah, but this was just, just me because Janine uh, stayed for the rainy season in Sri Lanka when it was off season anyway for the, for the touristy bit. And I would uh, go from Nepal to Germany to, to get the, the van back home because with the Kanye it's always a little bit of a, of a hustle to move the car around to different places and keep them there to find a parking spot for such a long time where you can keep it uh, unattended and so on. So we decided the best thing would be to get it back to Germany and as it turns out we, did, we had the right timing for us, right? Yeah, and, and we couldn't go both because we had Luke and in Sri Lanka there wasn't really a place where we wanted to leave him. Also. Yeah, this was in the very beginning. Yeah, Later on we could have kept them at France but in yeah. the beginning we didn't knew other people to have a dog so. also especially after all that happened so i stayed with luke in sri lanka and stefan had to drive back home oh i wasn't sure if luke made the journey with you so luke flew home um he flew and home after end, yeah. one and a half years so after the whole trip we flew to istanbul and then we actually wanted to go back by bike by bicycle by bicycle yeah it was a little bit exhausting traveling with a bicycle and a dog because we had this trailer and luke hated the trailer so and we always had to put Luke inside the trailer and outside the trailer. And Luke is quite a big dog. So he's like almost 30 kilograms. And 
having 30 kilograms in a bike bicycle trailer, it really slows you down. It took, it so took it, you a year and a half to drive there. Yeah. And how long did it take you to drive back? I think about three weeks or so. But we, uh, I haven't been driving uh, like all the days. I would take like rest days and I would have to do redo some brakes and daily. Mm -hmm. So it would have pushed a little bit. And a few and puncture we, repairs, you said. Exactly, and we, we, we met some friends we uh, met along the way, so we, I would visit them on the way back again. So it's not like constant driving here. So it, it's actually not that far if you no, think really about isn't. it. It's so strange. It's not a long time to yeah. drive you, all that way. If you take a look what some people are doing in a month in their company car, you could easily go with that amount of miles. You could easily go to, mm. to Nepal already. Yeah. It's crazy to think that, and yet so many people don't. For me, I look at a map and I see all these roads interconnect and think, why not? You know, like to me, I'm just, I guess I'm from a little island where the road stopped pretty quickly. If you drive half an hour in any direction, you, you can't go any further. So to see something like the road spread out from Europe into Asia, you know, or North America to, to Latin America, do, do, do you sometimes feel overwhelmed, like with all these different countries and all these different streets that are connected? Um, I, I sometimes feel overwhelmed with the logistical challenges of, of getting through the different places, visas, particularly as we're all from different nationalities. Um, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. But like we were saying before, like I just try to focus on the next few steps. And you can't take, you can't plan too much at the moment. So um, that brings you back to Germany. Um, you've, you, you came back and you've ended up living in what I wouldn't call a tiny home. <laughs> it's the opposite. Sometimes I miss living in a van because you have just so little stuff and it's easy to clean it all and to just tidy it all up. And here it's like, so yeah. massive. Our van has never yeah. been tidy. <laughs> it's true, actually. It's, no, I know you're lying if you say that your van is tidy. You can tidy it up, but five minutes yeah. later, it's... Exactly. Everyone who's showing the tidy van has tied it up at least a couple of hours beforehand. Yeah, Instagram's great for that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So now you're living in this huge shed that you've rented, um, which we have been at for a few days. Thank you very much for accommodating us. It's been delightful to be here. Um, What's your plans now? What are you going to do with this incredible space? You've already got your Synchro parked inside, and that's not the only van, is it? There's a Sprinter. Oh no, a Mercedes. <laughs> You're sleeping in a Sprinter at the moment. Yeah, we do. It you feel like you're cheating on the Volkswagen. <laughs> you know. The Sprinter has a fixed bed. It's actually quite nice, to be honest. Um, yeah, and also, we just wanted to try out something else. But, so what do you what prefer, do you... actually, the Sprinter or the Synchro? I think they're both good for respectively what you what you have to do with them. You wouldn't drive to um, Sri Lanka or Nepal with the Sprinter, or no, you would? You would? Yeah, why not? No, no problems you at would? all. Yes, of course. But what no, it doesn't really matter what you go through. I think it's more of like the mindset. It's sort of like not the ideal vehicle. It's just like how how you would like to travel. Because some people have done it like in a big caravan. Uh, they've been going to, to India and they didn't have any issues as well. As well so. yeah. Tell me, if you had to do the journey again, would you take the Sprinter or the Synchro? Yeah, both would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that wasn't yeah. one of the options. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I think if we would do the whole thing, if we would co like continue living on, uh, I think we would take the Synchro 
because it's a little bit easier to keep on going and it's uh, made up a little bit more reliable because the sprinter is just it's yeah. already a little bit young it's a little bit younger and it has more Electronic. electronics that can break down as well yeah. plus every, everything is like very filigrane the the metal works is very thin and so this the synchro is more robust since we came back, we still had the uh, Janine's old van uh, standing around that uh, um, has spent some time in the garage while we are on the way. Um, so we decided to share this experience a little bit um, because some people they want some people they want to uh, give it a go to try to live in a van or to just take uh, the van for a holiday. So we decided to rent um, this van out to, yeah. to rent out an old van. Um, to whoever likes to have a feeling for it um, and then we would also have the people if they are deciding to go for a van to take like the first couple of steps to give them some ideas what you can do with a van what's feasible what's maybe not so feasible um, and give them some advice and this is what we're doing at the moment to do the van rental and also helping out other people who would like to travel in the van yeah, because you, you've picked up a lot of knowledge on your journey um, for the basic things that people need to know about when they're overlanding. And it's not always, you know, typical knowledge that you can acquire in other ways in life. So yeah. have you seen much demand for the, for, you know, coming to the courses that you've been running? Yeah, we've seen some demand and we also saw it already when we were traveling because whenever we would meet uh, some other travelers, they would always have some small problems with the van and usually we could head them out very quickly and so we would already do it like when we are on the go we would also give some advice to some some other fellow travelers to help them out with their vans because they sort of like just got going or had some some problems go uh, keep on going on so and you've also been doing it for years with your friends exactly. before yeah beforehand we, and we fixed up some vans already so and of course it's also possible to get all the knowledge like through YouTube or through the internet. But for some people it's nicer to just have someone that you can ask actually the questions to and just have, yeah, just have the person there. Yeah, exactly. Because you see so many YouTube channels which are going on induction cooking and so on. And I think people are a little bit blinded that they could have the, mm. the whole luxury of uh, home electricity in their van, I think. Some people are a little bit blinded by that. No, it's a great space to be able to do like yeah. that kind of course and stuff. And, and, you know, it was really valuable going over the, the puncture thing. Leah was fixing her first puncture. I can't believe how fast you guys did it. And it was also the first time. Imagine you doing it a couple of times. I'm still not quite convinced about leaving my spare behind since we've been here. Stefan's been trying to convince oh, me. Now you now you brought it up. Now, now you open Pandora's box. The, the comments will keep on coming. What have I done? No, no. If, if I would do this, the route again, doesn't matter if I would take the sprinter or the synchro. We wouldn't. We wouldn't take a spare wheel. But we took two spare wheels. Yeah, no, that was You stupid. know, we are a very bad but example. We, yeah, but we learn from it and. We saw that we don't need them, so next time I wouldn't bring them. Didn't but I see you jacking up, taking off the wheel, the wheel off a rim somewhere, or the yeah. wheel was bent? Yeah. yeah, but this was we could also bend back the wheel, uh, the rim, and it was going nicely. We just did it because we had it, and this was finally a reason to get rid of one of them because the rim was 
bend and then we would bend them back. So we said, ah, why bother? So we could just leave it. So we uh, gave it to a, as a present to a local. And I like to be thinking that he's still rolling around with this one. With his one wheel waiting for someone to come <laughs> along, give him three more. <laughs> no, I reckon that they are using them as spare wheels, yeah. The new police are quite. It's probably already turned it into an electrical um, unicycle or something. Generator, so yeah. Fantastic to, to speak through your adventures. Um, what an honour it has been to hear some of the stories over the last few days. I highly encourage anybody listening to go and watch Synchro Travels because I think you guys um, shared a really unique thing and there's not a lot of that on the internet. So it's a real privilege for people like me to be able to come and watch it. So thank you for doing that. And we promise we will leave at some point, you know. <laughs> you don't have to. No, it's okay. You can as long as you will come tomorrow with us, you're welcome to donate some blood with us. Needless to say, after those guys invited us to come and donate blood with them, I was out of there pretty quick because that's not one of my favourite pastimes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly did. It was an absolute pleasure to hang out with those guys. They are a bunch of legends. I don't know what it is, but all of the van life and overlanding community, like 99.999% of the time, they are absolute legends. Um, there's something just just so good about meeting up with other van travelers, and I absolutely love it, and I'm so stoked that I got to meet these guys because that was on my personal bucket list for a very long time since watching their YouTube series. Anyway, um, feel free to check out some more of our podcasts. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the Combi Life YouTube channel because that is where we will be posting our next adventures. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, happy travels.